Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 1985 film Angel's Egg. So, this movie, it takes... I'm not even sure exactly where (laughs) it takes place, but you could take a guess that it's something in a post-apocalyptic universe. Yeah. And as we open, we follow this young girl. And she is hiding out in what looks like an ark. And she is carrying an egg with her. And along an egg, she has this jar which she uses to collect water and food and she scavenges. And as she's wandering around first through sort of like a foresting area, she goes to a little pond to collect some water. Then she heads into a town while carrying this egg. And in this town, we meet this man. And this man who arrives on this kind of tank-like machine that sort of goes around this village in this town. Yeah. And he is carrying this... You kind of don't know exactly what it is. It looks kind of like a sword, but also looks like a gun. But it's also in the shape of a cross. And and he also has bandages on both of his hands, particularly towards his palms. And he's always asking the girl what's in the egg. She refuses to answer him. She asks who he is. He refuses to answer her. She's initially hesitant about trusting him. But one day when she's sleeping around in the town, she she misplaces the egg and he gives it back to her. And slowly they start to you know she trusts him a little bit they wander through the town and as they wander there's these statues of these fishermen at some point every night the fishermen come to life the statues come to life as these shadows they're just shadows these shadows of fish wander throughout the town these fishermen throw spears at them to try and kill them even though it's just shadows they're not actual fish so as they're avoiding that then they decide to go to tell first they go to this um sort of secret area with this sketching of a tree that the man says he saw in the dreams and his one of his dreams and he has the dreams of this bird or this angel and then as they talk he discusses the story of noah's ark but in the, the it differs in one way in the story of Noah's Ark, when they send out a dove, and the dove comes back with a, uh, was it a tree branch? Uh, olive? Yeah, yes, a tree-, a tree branch, indicating land is around. Yeah, land is around, but that dove never returned. They talk about how eventually it was so long people forgot about the dove and forgot what they were waiting for, and all the animals on the Ark turned to stone. And they talk about the bird and this egg. This, this somewhat bird creature. And that's when the girl leads the man to this skeleton of this angel-like creature. You see this? It looks like a bird, but it has these massive wings. And she says, this is its egg, and I'm waiting for it to hatch. He's constantly asking her what's in the egg. And he's, you know, question, he's questioning. He doesn't really believe. He thinks it's just nothing. He says, well, what's the point of doing this? But she's unwavering and what this thing was going to hatch, and things will be somewhat different. So they fall asleep, and while the girl is sleeping, the man takes the egg and crushes it with that cross-like weapon, whether it's a rifle or a sword or whatever, and yeah. breaks it. And you 
leaves her. The girl wakes up, sees that the egg has been broken, and she releases this horrifying cry of anger and sadness. And she leaves because they hide in the ark again. They She heads out to the ark, runs towards the man, but not knowing she falls into this crevice into the water. As she falls into the water, because she's this little girl, but the reflection comes back as a grown woman. As she falls into the water, she turns into a grown woman. Mm-hmm. And as she's sinking to the bottom, she re- you know she releases one last you know breath. Yeah. And into the breath, there goes up, and all these eggs start to hatch. Yeah, the bubbles are these eggs. Yeah, yeah. eggs come up, and then they spring out, and we see like these somewhat an- like the same angel-like creature that was the skeleton on all these eggs. Yeah, the embryonic form of it. Yes. Yeah. And the man goes towards the beach because at the very beginning we see this orb-like machine. I always say it looks like one of the spaceships from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. It has that exact same style. Yeah. And it was looking at him, and on the, at the beginning of the movie we see these statues, all whole, you know, this pose of like they're praying. Mm-hmm. And the second time we see at the very end, it's rising up to meet the man again, and now one of the statues is the girl, and she is holding the at the statue has her holding the egg. Yeah. And at the very end, it's looking at him. The camera, the it pans out. We see the outline of this area, and it's all this land that we've. It's been taking place in this entire movie. It's surrounded by this black sea, and the shape of this island. It's really an island. Yeah, looks like an overturned ark. Yes, and that's the movie. And I, <laughs> I think I was when I was I chose this because I actually just re- watched this for the first time just a couple of weeks ago, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, oh, this would be an interesting one to do yeah. because. We never really done like a really out there quote unquote artsy film, you yeah. Know, with this abstract storyline, all the stuff we've talked about, more or less, has a typical story to follow. It's yeah. somewhat easy to follow along, except Tenet, but that's different. But like <laughs> this one, I wanted to do something a little bit interesting. I've, and I've seen because the thing is, the movie's like seventy minutes, so it's easy to rewatch. I think I've seen this like four or five times now. Yeah. And yeah, I quite I think this film was very very good. I, I liked it too, and I, I liked the very carefully studied ambiguity in it too. Um, you're right. There's two very very clear uh, religious uh, um, connotations in the in the uh, film with regard to the the male main character. We never find out his name, and we don't find the little girl's name out either. Uh, with regard to him, he's pretty clearly supposed to be symbolic of Christ. I think that is correct. And then the other, the Old Testament um, uh, intimations with the story of uh, the ark, Noah and the ark, I I think it's interesting that they put these two things together um, because the, the, the Christ character in what little bit of dialogue there is in this film, um, he... It's kind of in the middle portion of the film when they're talking about that egg, and he he relays the story of Noah's Ark and ends up giving that modified version of the story. The, the big theme that comes across with him is uh, a, a concentration on the fact uh, of, as it were, forgetfulness due to a long time having passed. It's... Not altogether clear he even knows who he is. He has, I think, succumbed to the forgetfulness for some, to some extent. And only later in the film, 
when they, uh, I believe it's when they find that fossilized angel skeleton, uh, you kind of see a look of recognition across his face at that point, as if he now remembers who he is and what he's supposed to do. That's a very interesting theme because one of the unique themes, about, uh, themes, uh, uh, philosophically interesting themes in Christianity is the fact that you have a God that, uh, or, or God, not a God, but God becomes human. And uh, along with coming, becoming human, you see in the biblical story, he, he also takes on some very human characteristics that you would at first think uh, uh, God would not possess. In particular, fear. Uh, in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, there's a very famous scene where he's, he's in anguish and he's begging not to have to do the job of being crucified, right? So he's become human in that sense. And in this story, he's become human in, a, in another much, much more uh, understandable sense for us in that um, because of the passage of time, uh, he apparently doesn't know a great deal about who he is, who the girl is, why they're in this particular world, and so forth. But, you know, we see earlier in the film... Uh, in the, as it were, a prologue of the film, you're, you're right to point out that this, this ship comes out of what looks to be an ocean. At the very beginning, the world is more brightly colored. There's a weird, weird kind of checkerboard pattern. And he's sent out from that ship. And the ship, uh, the most prominent feature of the ship, I think, is the fact that it, it looks to be a, a large eye. Kind of the, the eye of God, right? Built around that God's eye is a big kind of a super superstructure. Is a looks to be kind of like a cross between a Gothic cathedral and, as you put it, um, a Close Encounters of the Third Kind kind of ship with a lot of spires and things sticking out. And you look closer, and he has the camera kind of a revolver on that superstructure and show you this. As you look, you see. Um, that there are a lot of figures of men and 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 uh, uh, they're in a praying stance, and some of them kind of look like the fishermen we see early, later in the film. So, in some way or another, I think that's representative of history and God's being able to grasp the entirety of history. So it's it's kind of like a it's in stone in a way. And it's all frozen. There's no animation with the, with that superstructure. Like I said, it looks like a Gothic cathedral, a very ornate one, but nevertheless a Gothic cathedral. Well, the Christ figure comes out of that. He looks around, and then it dissolves, and it goes to this girl just waking up. Uh, no transition, no explanation of where she is. In her, uh, and I think that's kind of representative epistemologically of where we are in this world, this universe, uh, we, we kind of, as it were, have woken up in this little sliver of time in the vastness of history and trying to figure out where we are, who we are, and what, if any, purpose there is for our existence. So she's in that boat. It's kind of interesting. He appears later as kind of an incarnation in that world. Again, a very Christ-like uh, um, concept there. And he partakes of that forgetfulness. It's very, very intriguing. I really like that feature of this film. 
And it's interesting as we try to analyze everything in the movie and say, well, what does this represent? This represent the director of this movie, Mamoru Oshii, who, if the name sounds familiar, he directed the Ghost in the Shell movies. He um, refuses to give any anal. He's gone the David Lynch route. He doesn't want to. He says, well, this film is, I don't don't even know what it's about. That's always his thing. But it is interesting if you do research about Mamoru Oshii, um, he was very religious growing up. Um, there was even a point, I guess, where he was even thinking of attending seminary school, but eventually changed his mind to pursue a career in filmmaking. And apparently at this time, in 19, around this time, the mid-80s, he had a, uh, lost his faith. He doesn't, know, he doesn't really exclaim why he lost his faith. Yeah. But he says around this time he was losing his faith. And it, it's interesting, when you watch this film... You're thinking, well, if he lost his faith, is this film like more atheistic, you know, more anti-religious or anti-Christianity? But I didn't feel that watching mm, it, especially at, at the end when you're thinking of the girl and after the egg has been broken, her anguished cry and her anguished cries. But I'd never felt that it was it was in the way it was almost, you know, her martyrdom is being rewarded because she's yeah. you know, giving birth to these creatures and. She is now on the statue and honoring her and the bitter, cynical the man who's you know angry and crushes the egg and ha- has no faith at all. He's the one that's you know has more of the punished in a way. I would say. Yeah, and I don't know if he's angry and cynical though. I I, I just think he's uh, he's suffering from the effects of that forgetfulness, right? And I think he at, at some point in this story comes to the conclusion that although he can't specify exactly how he is here to help this girl and i and again i think this is a a good indicator of the studied ambiguity of of mr oshi i think he does a great job um i i read that scene where he he takes that cross-like uh implement and um crushes the egg as in some way helping her Helping her, helping her move to, as it were, the next stage of her maturity. And we see that happen. I mean, it looks horrible. It looks like, oh, no, she's falling off a cliff. She's going to die. <laughs> but as she approaches that body of water, and water is a big thematic element in this film, by the way. Um, uh, but as she, and we'll get back to that. Um, as she approaches that body of water and sees that reflection of herself in there, you see, I think, that... Uh, 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 she goes through some sort of a life process and a maturation process. And then once she breaks the surface of that water and goes underneath, something good happens in that as those bubbles are released from her, those aren't mere bubbles. They are eggs. Once again, that's symbol of faith, I think. And those eggs continue, as it were, the process, this in some way, good, positive process. But what's interesting about it is there's not, not any kind of a clear intimation here that she has, in fact, an afterlife, right? It, it's, it's much more of a biological or organic conception. She leaves eggs just like creatures here in this world do. And that's as close as you get to immortality. And her existence is recorded in that big Gothic structure. But she's not alive. None of the other statues are alive. They're all 
you know, apparently stone or something, but they're still in a, in a sense remembered and their value is recorded in that superstructure, which houses God. <laughs> she has a feel of the way she's it chained martyrdom. She's become a martyr for what she's done. It's she's been her faith. I feel like her faith was specifically tested, you know, specifically like, you know, you're not going to, you know, even though they always ask her, what's the purpose of this egg? Why don't I break it? Try to find out. She's being tested, but she's completely unwavering, even despite, like, those are all yeah. solid, reasonable questions to ask. Yeah. And even when, you know, at that time when her faith has been broken pretty much with the egg, with the shattering of the egg, she gets angry, but she doesn't, you know, she's still on, almost, you'd say, unwavering. I guess at the end, she you know, which achieves that martyrdom. Yeah. And she, remember when, when she discovers it's broken, she goes in search of the man. Yes. And she sees him and she moves toward him. And he doesn't look like he's going to try and avoid her or not. What's very interesting is she leaves a trail of feathers. And then as you uh, zoom out at the end of the film and he's uh, looking out over that vast <clears throat> ocean, you see other trails of feathers. So I think, again, this is symbolic of the fact that this man helps these people, has helped many people, as it were, through the travails of the world to get to that ocean. And uh, that the uh, if it is an afterlife, like I said, I don't think it is, but it somehow provides meaning to life. And he, he's the guy that leads them in that direction. Because when you get to that ocean, somehow or another, you're getting into... That God's eye, quasi close encounters of the third kind ship as one of the statues, right? So at least, even if there is no such thing as immortality, at least in the mind of God, right? You have done something of value and you are now part of uh, kind of a divine plan or a divine divine uh, value, right? Very interesting, but concomitant with her um journey in that way i think the christ figure is having a similar journey he discovers his his meaning his purpose after having forgot it and i think that's the import of the story when he tells her that story of the ark and and says you know maybe there was an alternate ending and things went on for such a long time people just simply forgot who they were where they were that they were even in an ark Right, and all of this discussion, interestingly, is going in the body, going on in the body of that gigantic ark, and it looks like it is the ark because you see cells in there, right? Look like the, those are probably cells to hold the animals. You see what look to be fossilized creatures in there as well, spines, skeletons, skulls, etc. So uh, I think that's maybe symbolic of the immensity of time here on Earth, and how maybe it's hard to reconcile that immensity with uh, and, and the apparent lack of God, right? Because it seems like he's taking a very standoffish attitude and just letting things happen, you know, that may lead you to question your faith or question your purpose, even if you are the Christ-like figure. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's very interesting. It's a meditation on the immensity of time and how it causes forgetfulness and perhaps doubt. And I think outside of the two main characters in the movie, the boy and the girl, the other people we see are these fishermen. And yeah. they were interesting is because 
I, they are statues, if I'm not mistaken, right? It, it, it once again, we it's, see them because we we, when see, we first them, see her. She's yeah. at the fountain. Yeah, the clock strikes midnight or whatever. In the shadows, we see all these figures of the fishermen, yeah. but they're completely still. They're not moving. Yeah, and I always took that as they were statues scattered around that I, village, I, and then at a certain time, they just wake up and they think. We have to destroy, We have to get these fish. I thought they were too, but if I recall correctly, and I've only seen it twice. I haven't seen it four or five times like you have. I think there's a scene where when she's in that town, right, and some of those figures are uh, look to be huddled in a window, looking out, and she's looking at them. But they weren't moving. I just they assumed- weren't moving. You're correct. Um, but that would be a very have to be in like a you know a traditional place where we would assume a statue would be, but they're just scattered around anywhere. But it doesn't, yeah. they don't have to be like you know yeah. at a specific place where we'd expect a statue to be. Yeah. So uh, again, that's very a very studied ambiguity, and so mm-hmm. it, it leads you to ask, well, what do they represent? And I think again, mm-hmm. they probably represent uh, human activity and that forgetfulness again. I think it's interesting. They're obsessed with fishing these, um, and this is obviously a, a, a reference to the phrase fisher of men, right? In the New Testament, uh, uh, several of the apostles were actual fishermen, right? Um, so I, I know he's playing with that image, but what's interesting is the kind of fish. First, it is they are only shadows. They're not real fish. But if I'm not mistaken... It's uh, clearly a very ancient form of fish, a a type of lobe fish is what they were called. And I cannot remember the scientific name for this species, but as far as I know, it's extinct. And it hasn't been around for a very long time. So again, I think that's symbolic of the vastness of time. And these guys have simply become so wrapped up in their tasks their worldly tasks within that city um, and humanity has for such a long period of time that they've forgotten from whence they came and where they're going interesting because um when i I think i told you about this but did you have the time to watch that analysis video i told you no i did not well, the one of the, the man's name is Chris Stuckman. He's a popular reviewer on YouTube. He had analysis yeah. of the story, and he said that the fishermen represented blind faith because they are they're not they aren't real fish. They're never going to accomplish what they're doing. They're just throwing it at shadows, and it's the fact that when they're throwing it, they're throwing it through windows. They're damaged. They're destroying every almost everything in that village. Windows yeah. are getting destroyed. And I remember watching it the first time because. One of the places the man and the girl hide out is at a church, which, by the way, the glass paint murals have the, that fish in there. Yes. But she, we see her looking out in the um, shadow of that fish is going by that window. And the first time I watched it, it was like, oh, no, they're going to throw the spear and hit her. But that didn't happen. Yeah. But anyway, because they're causing all this destruction, but they, you know, they're never realizing, like, wait, this is pointless. What are we doing? This is something that's never going to work. So I thought that was, you know, I kind of agreed with that, where it was blind faith and just the the damage and destruction, you know, the danger of yeah. blind faith can do where it's causing wars yeah. and so on. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's representative of blind faith. I know it's representative of some kind of carelessness, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it may be, as you 
putting it here, a, a technological carelessness. Uh, humanity has been, uh, over the aeons, uh, developing technology and so busy, as it were, with his work that he doesn't realize that he's damaging his home. Right? So there, there might be an element there. And I don't know if that's necessarily a commentary on faith so much as maybe technology. I think that would be going back to the fact that this director was losing his faith in Christianity at the time. Yeah. Maybe that's how you put it towards that, going yeah. with his backstory. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's interesting. The overall impression I get from the film is he hasn't lost it totally. Yeah, because you know? I was yeah. saying, it was like I was when you read that before going into the movie, you're thinking, oh, is this going to be, you know, like a, like an atheistic kind yeah. of movie? And I wouldn't say that at all. No, it, it's much more of a... A, a very carefully considered reflection on the tenets of the faith, given uh, uh, the 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 immensity of time and uh, the effects that will have on our forgetfulness, as it were, about our origins and our ultimate destiny. And again, he's I think pointing out that we inhabit a very 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 narrow slice of time and we are in the unenviable position of trying to figure out in that brief eye blink of consciousness so to speak who we are where we came from where we're going if there is indeed a purpose or not and the overall message of the film was yes there is one because you have god at the beginning the godship right and you have the godship at the end coming to take her in, so to speak, even though only in the form of a statue, right? And that person helping her all through the process and apparently having helped others. And we see that the world they inhabit is an overturned version of that arc, right? Again, reinforcing the fact that it's, it, it, I guess, is not surprising given the immensity of the age of the universe and our brief window in on it, uh, uh, our ignorance of it. But it's still it's saying, look, here's the overall big metaphysical picture of the universe. It's hopeful. So I'm thinking that's his, at least it's, at least it's uh, expressive of his hope that it's true. Because yeah, because when we see that final shot in the island, I mean the island looks like an overturned arc, or the arc looking at it from the bottom. Yes, and it's entirely surrounded by this black sea. Yeah, I, I thought like maybe this is like you know sort of this like this this alternate world where you know the great flood happened, but I think it's it was, symbolic it, of we, yeah, we history. Didn't find that dove, it, it, yeah, and and. The, the happy ending isn't there, so to speak. The dove doesn't come back. But that's kind of our place in the universe, right? Um, uh, despite the religious traditions, right, we still uh, don't know for sure. And somebody like Oshi realizes that. He's trying to express that in this film. But he's also saying, we hope it's true. You know, and there are... There are there are things about the things about our lives that uh, uh, kind of give flesh to that hope, so to speak. Uh, one being our capacity to help others and and do something like the Christ-like figure here does. He helps her ultimately in the end. 
Uh, and he's a companion for her. Oh, my goodness. She's alone. I mean, how horrible would that be? <laughs> Waking up in a world and you are totally alone other than these kind of weird statue fisherman guys. But they're not talking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so he's a companion for her. And what's interesting we didn't mention is the fact that when she loses, she loses the egg. And he finds it and gives it back to her. And then one of the things people always say is, well, if his overall goal was to destroy that egg, why didn't he do it at that time? Why did he wait? Yeah, yeah, and the reason and the reason was that that wasn't his purpose at all in destroying that egg. It was somehow or another to help her along. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale, though you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, where each episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying so long, and be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies. Thank you.